It is my privilege to be at Central Baptist Church again. I always love to come here and uh, meet, greet you people and be here for the services. You have been a blessing to me through the years, and I love your pastor, and I appreciate him so much, and he has become such a dear friend. My son really adores him and looks up to him and uh, counts on him, and he told me this morning to be sure I told his Uncle Andy hello, so I, I'm telling you hello for him, but uh, we, we always enjoy the time of fellowship together, and we appreciate the opportunity to be here today. If you'll take your Bible now and turn to Luke chapter 19 with me. Uh, I hope to be a blessing to you today. God has a reason for us all being here today. And uh, that reason involves some of you, all of you, really. And I believe this morning when the Word of God is given, that God uses it to speak to every heart. And uh, I prayed about what to preach today, and I did not settle on what to preach until this morning. And uh, I want to be a blessing to you, but I look forward to the night service. Now, you'll be here tonight. Uh, I am a guest. You invited me. So if you're not here tonight, that is rude. That is so rude, and I don't know if I'll forgive you for that. So you need to be sure you're here tonight. And I'd rather you hear my sermon tonight than the one this morning. So uh, be here tonight, and I'll look forward to seeing you this evening. And uh, praise God for your church and all that God is doing. And the testimony of longevity that this church has for the gospel, and we praise God for what you're doing and what you continue to do, and I trust God will be a, bless us all this morning. Thank you for your hospitality and everything you do. And Luke chapter 19, I want to begin reading with verse number 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Then verse number 10, the verse that we're familiar with, of course, most of you would be, and it's going to be our text verse today, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This morning, the, the thing we should be reminded about always is this verse right here. This is the reason that Jesus came. Jesus came to save me. He came to save you. And the wonderful news for this morning is this. While we're here this morning and we have this service this morning, there are a lot of reasons for having a church service that a church family comes together for. Well, one reason we're here today is to hear the gospel and that God is speaking to someone here this morning. I know that because of what I've been asked to preach by him. I know that God wants to save someone this morning. God wants to become real to you this morning, and I pray that you'll listen. Give me your heart this morning. Pay attention, and let's let God speak to all of us this morning as I speak on the subject, Jesus and sinners. 
Jesus and sinners. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray this morning that the dear, blessed Holy Spirit would control everything that I say, everything that I do this morning. May it please you. I pray that in no way would I bring reproach upon the gospel today. I pray, Father, that you would use my frailties and my weaknesses to be a strength as the Holy Spirit uses them. I pray, Father, that there's one person, I believe there would be here today, that does not know for sure that they're going to heaven, that before they leave here today, they will know as Zacchaeus did that the Lord came to live at his house that day. And Father, speak to every heart. Now bless the wonderful pastor here. Bless his family. And Father, meet the needs of this good church today. But most of all, may we leave here today rejoicing and marveling that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom we are all chief. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In this story that we often would tell to our children, and we would tell in a junior church setting or in a Sunday school class setting about Zacchaeus, the wee little man who looked up in the tree and saw Jesus, this is the story from which we have, I believe, one of the greatest texts in all the Bible. We want to understand about God. We want to understand Jesus. We want to understand the Holy Spirit. One primary thing we must understand. Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save sinners. That was his purpose from coming. Now, if that was the purpose of Jesus, then there has to be some things that are true in this process of Jesus coming to save sinners. And I'd like to share them with you today. It's logical this morning that, first of all, if he came to seek and to save sinners, that he sees sinners. He sees sinners. He saw this man, Zacchaeus, up in a tree. The Bible says he came to a place. It was a certain place. And he stopped and looked up, and there was Zacchaeus. He saw the sinner Zacchaeus. But I can tell you this morning, he saw Adam and Eve in the garden. He saw them when they uh, sinned. He saw them as they uh, rebelled against his word. He was there. He saw them as they sinned. He saw them, and he came looking for them later in the day to find them and to talk to them. But they hid from him. They had sinned. He saw them. He saw Cain when he walked with his brother Abel. And when he committed the first murder that we have a hist uh, recorded history of, that uh, he saw Cain that day when he slew his brother Abel. And he was asked about his brother Abel. And uh, he then begin his made his excuses, of course, but he saw Cain. And then we think of the Apostle Paul. He saw Paul on that Damascus road as he went down that road with a heart full of hatred, a heart full of bitterness, a heart full of envy and murder, and uh, wanting to persecute God's people and uh, wanting to take the life of God's people and destroy the churches in that day. And we saw that God loved him and God saw him on that road and Jesus confronted him on that road. It was Jesus Christ who did. And he confronted Confronted the apostle Paul when he was Saul. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And so he saw the sinners. But aren't you glad this morning we could talk about a lot of these sinners that he saw in the Bible? But I'm glad I can tell you this morning he saw me. Aren't you glad that one day he saw you? I don't know where he was when he saw you and found you, but he saw you one day, and he saw you just as you were. He saw you as a sinner, and he sees the sinner today, and he sees you, and you cannot hide from him. Adam and Eve tried to hide. They couldn't hide. Uh, Cain tried to hide. He couldn't hide. 
Paul tried to hide behind his hatred and his bitterness and his excuses, his religiosity, and all the things that were in his life. He tried to hide from God, but you cannot hide from him. And he looks for you and sees you. You can try to hide in your works. You can try to hide in your own religion. You may say, I'm a religious person and I've been in church all my life. That doesn't mean you're a saved person. doesn't mean you're a Christian. It means that you must know Christ as your Savior as all of us do. He sees sinners. Job 31 and verse 4 says, Doth not he see all my ways and count all my steps? That's wonderful. He not only sees all my ways, he counts all my steps. He knows every step. Our steps are ordered of the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? Does not he see all my ways? 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He sees our heart today. You may boast of religious activity. You may boast of your church membership. You could boast of the fact that you may have been born into a Christian home and you may have generations of people who are Christians in your family, but that doesn't mean that your heart belongs to God. But I want you to know this morning, He sees your heart. You can stand here in church today, and I must tell you, He loves us to praise Him, loves us to be here to worship Him, but in your heart, He knows what is really there. He knows what's in your life, in your heart. And Jeremiah 17, 9 tells the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then the Bible says, who can know it? And who can know it? You do not know. People say, well, I know my heart. No, you don't. Your heart is deceitful, the Bible says. It's desperately wicked. You know, in my heart, I think I'm a Christian. I think I'm saved. That's not good enough, friend. Do you know for sure that he lives in you, that he has your heart today? But he sees sinners, and I'm glad he sees sinners. He found you wherever he found you. I'm glad God sees everywhere. He knows everyone and sees their heart and knows if they're saved or not. Secondly, if he sees sinners, it's logical then that he sympathizes with the sinner. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest who's touched by our infirmities. Your frailties touch him. Your weaknesses touch him. He's well aware of them. He's affected by what affects us. Aren't you glad of that? You have a hurting heart this morning. You know he hurts for you. You have tears this morning. He weeps with you. You don't weep alone. I want you to know this morning, our Savior cares. Yes, He cares. Jesus cares about every need of our life, every need of our heart, and He sympathizes with us. Matthew nine thirty six says, But when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Here He saw people and He saw multitudes and He was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were weary. They were fainting. 
They were helpless. They were weak. And he saw them. And he sees all today. And he sees those who are burdened down with sorrow, as you may be this morning. He sees people that have no direction in their life. That moved Jesus to have compassion. And he wants you to have the right direction. This morning also we must be reminded that he sees all. He sees the rich and the poor. He sees the hurting and the broken. He sees the hopeless one. He sees the one this morning that feels helpless and and all probability as far as the world is concerned could be determined to be helpless this morning. He sees the disease this morning. He sees the divorce this morning. He sees this morning the crush this morning by the weight of sin. I want you to know this morning we have a Savior that sees us and sees us like we are and sees our needs this morning and sees what you're in need of this morning and whatever you may think this morning I must tell you this morning that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one for your needs. Jesus is the one to take care of you this morning. He sympathizes with the sinner. Aren't you glad of that this morning? Well, I want to praise God when I think about that this morning. He knows our frame. He knows our weakness. Preacher, I just feel so weak and frail. Well, we all feel that way sometimes. But I'm glad other people may not understand you feeling that way. And you may feel all alone. But I want you to know that Jesus knows your frame. And he knows your needs. And he sympathizes with you this morning. Thank God that he does. He sympathizes with the sinner. And we must think on this morning. If he does that, he sees the sinner. He sympathizes with the sinner. Uh, then it's only logical that as we lay in our text verse today, he seeks the sinner. Jesus seeks the sinner. He's not seeking the wealthy. He's not seeking the talented. Though those who get saved may have talent, they can give to God. And those who have wealth may have wealth, they can give to God. But that's not what he seeks. God needs no talent. God needs no wealth. He seeks the sinner, and he does whatever is necessary to seek that sinner. Oh, wonderful story in the Bible of the woman at the well. Another very well-known Bible story. And Jesus has been with the multitudes, and he decides to go back uh, to Jerusalem, the Galilee, and he leaves Judea, and the disciples are with him and gathered with him, and other folks follow. And he says, well, we're on the way, fellas, but I must needs go through Samaria. I must needs go through Samaria. Why, that was a startling statement to the disciples. That was miles out of the way. That was a different direction. And they wondered if that he's got to go through Samaria. But he did because Jesus was looking for sinners. And he saw on that very day a woman who came out to that well every day. She came out in the very heat of the day after everyone else had already been. And she came out to get water at that well. And every day she did that. And Jesus saw her come to that well, come with a weary body and a weary heart and a weary mind and broken life and uh, tears in her eyes many days as she pondered her existence and pondered her future and wondered what am I really living for. And she She's going through this. She comes to the well every day. Jesus knew she'd be there. She comes out to the well oh, just like any other day. She did not expect anyone to be there. But there was Jesus sitting at the well. He was sitting there not because he was killing time. He didn't go there to get a drink. 
He didn't go there to pick up supplies. He went there for one reason. There was a woman who was broken and sinful and hurting, and she needed a Savior, and she needed a transformation. And he was there to meet that woman that day, just like the day you got saved. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't something that just happened one day. Jesus Christ knows your heart. He knows your need. He knows where you are, and he comes seeking after sinners. That's what he does today. He uses people. He uses soul winners. There may be people who've come by to see you. You may be here this morning. People have handed you a gospel track. They've invited you to the house of God. And may we be reminded as Christians, that's our duty. That's our responsibility to go and to seek after sinners. And here is, is this picture of the Jesus seeking sinners. But also, you have friends God uses. Some of you may have gotten saved because of a friend that was a faithful testimony or a faithful witness to you. Uh, he uses sermons. Sometimes God uses sermons. God somebody invites you to church and you hear the preaching of the word of God. And God uses that to touch your heart and to stir your heart. He speaks to you through many ways. He th- speaks to you through maybe a bus route. A uh, bus stops by and picks children up, picks you up maybe. But God is speaking to you and letting you know that no matter where you are, no matter what the heart cry you have is, no matter how destitute you feel, no matter how alone you feel, no, no matter how many pieces of your life you think has been fractured and there's nothing left to live for. There's nothing left to long for. He sees you as you are. He sees your needs this morning. And he loves you. Jesus and sinners. What a combination. Aren't you glad that he came to seek and to save sinners? He didn't come just to be a good example. He didn't come to this earth to set the perfect example for us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I thank God that I'm one of those that was lost. And he sought me and he saved me. And I've been saved for over 65 years. And I thank God for being saved and knowing I'm saved. And knowing I'm saved today. And thank God for it this morning. He seeks the sinner. And you're here in this service this morning. You say, well, I don't know how how I got here. Maybe some loved one invited you on Father's Day. Maybe someone's just been inviting you. You said, okay, I'm going to go just so I'll go. But God knows you're here this morning. And God knows every heart here this morning. And God knows what's in that heart. He knows what's in your mind this morning. And He knows what you need this morning. And He wants to receive you this morning. He wants to transform you. He wants to put hope into you. And this morning He waits you this morning as He seeks the sinner. Now, number four. Logically, he must also speak to the sinners. He must speak to sinners. He seeks them until he finds them, then he speaks to them. He speaks in many ways. He speaks to the Bible. Isaiah one eighteen. He says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. God says that. Well, I don't know about church. I don't know about religion. I don't know about, uh, I know people are hypocrites to me and I, I don't really, I'm not a religious person and I, I, we, and you may throw out all the excuses you have and God still says, come, come and let us reason together. Those are not reasonable statements or reasonable excuses you're making. 
Tell us reason. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That's the whole thing right there. Put aside every feeling, every thought, everything you believe about anything and realize this morning there's somebody who loves you who says if you'll just come and you'll reason with me, your sins can be taken care of this morning. Though they'll be red like crimson, they shall be as wool if you come this morning. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You're here this morning and you may feel like you're laboring under your life. You're laboring with sin. You're laboring with disappointment. You're laboring with discouragement this morning. You're laboring with bitterness of heart this morning. He says, come, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's the message of Christ this morning. Not a message of you have to do this or you have to do that. But a message of come. Let's be reasonable. You're a sinner. You need something done about that. I'll do everything. He says, come if you're weary. And I'll give you rest this morning. He speaks through the word of God. He speaks through his spirit. This morning, you're here in the house of God. You know what? If you're unsaved this morning, you have a non-comfortable spirit about you. You know why? Not that you're being ugly. You're not being unkind, but you just don't feel comfortable. This is not really your crowd. Uh, you're just here. And uh, there may be many reasons you're here. But when the service starts and the songs we sung this morning. Now, I want you to know, and when we start singing those songs, God does something in your heart. If you're a child of God, you can't help it. I mean, it's just natural. You start, uh, I mean, I always love before church when the organ plays, the piano starts playing. Man, that just, that just gets me pumped. I, I, I start feeling something in my soul and in my heart. It's church time. It's time for us to let God do something in our midst. And I want you to know this morning, God is here this morning, and he is trying to do something in your heart. Don't fight it. So those people are weird. No, they're not. It's the Spirit of God troubling you. It's the Spirit of God whispering to you. Well, I, I come, I start doubting myself. Well, you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit telling you that you're not living by faith. You this morning need the Savior. He speaks through His Spirit. He speaks through the Gospel. The Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Oh, don't ever get weary of preaching and teaching and saying the Gospel of Jesus Christ. May we remember always, it is the power of God. Nothing else is the power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. And, oh, my friend, we must shout it and tell it and speak it and show everyone the simple gospel. He speaks through sickness. God speaks to everyone in many ways. But if you're lost, he may speak to you through sickness. It may be that you've got a bad report. It may be that you start thinking about that as you start getting older in life. And you start thinking about diseases that may have been in your family, maybe in your history, your DNA. And you start thinking about the end of life. And you start thinking about sickness and sorrow. And he speaks many times to us through sickness. Oh, not sick bed. He's there. He speaks to you. If you're saved, Bible even says he makes your bed while you're on the sick bed. That's a good deal. But if you're unsaved, he's there. He's there to remind you that he loves you and that he wants to save you. And he will save you if you'll let him. 
He speaks through sorrow. He speaks through sorrow every time there's a death of someone. God speaks to us. Every time you pass a funeral procession on the roadway, people going to a funeral, God speaks to you and should speak to you. As we stop to think about our weakness, our frailty, how brief this life is, we must realize that he speaks through sorrow sometimes. And he speaks to those who are left behind. And he speaks to those who knew the person. But God speaks through sorrow. Jesus and sinners. Then if he speaks to the number five, it's only logical. He saves the sinner. He saves the sinner. Matthew 1 verse 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Hey, he can save you from your sins. He can save you from the penalty of your sins. He can give you his character. He can come and 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 and, and take your record and, and and let your record be as his record. He will save you from your sins. Aren't you glad of that this morning? Oh, the greatest teacher was Jesus. The greatest preacher was Jesus. The greatest philosopher was Jesus. The greatest healer was Jesus. But oh, thank God, He is the only Savior. And thank God that we were told about Him and that we know about Him and we cried out to Him and He saved our souls. He'll save you from your sin. I can't quit doing this. I know I can't. You don't have to quit. You don't have to do a thing. But come and let Him respond when He calls. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul was a murderer. He was a blasphemer. He committed many, many sins that we don't even know about. But he was a wicked man. But he says he came to save sinners like me. Oh, I'm glad that he comes to save uh, sinners like uh, your pastor who grew up in a Christian home, had a dad that was saved, on, members on Father's Day. I, I rejoice in my children that I was able to be a Christian father for them and know that they're all saved. That's a great comfort. That's a great thing you love and you appreciate. He saved, he, he saves a sinner, but this morning he wants you to have the same knowledge. He wants to save you. He wants to save your children. He wants to save your grandchildren. He wants to save anybody you might know. He loves sinners. He saves sinners. That's why he's here this morning. That's why we have church this morning. Oh, he doesn't save sinners this morning. Let's close the doors. Uh, Let's all go out and have a good time. Let's have church. Oh, let's just say once in a while so we can collect some money or something. Let's just forget it all. But we can't because he saves sinners. He saves sinners. He wants sinners to be saved. And oh, he saves you. And he came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief, Paul says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Paul said to the Philippian jailer, and thy house. Hey, sir, this morning, what a tragedy for you to lead your children to hell. That may sound unkind to you this morning, but it's so truthful. It's more unkind for your children not to have a knowledge of Jesus. Oh, my heart broke this morning at the motel where I'm staying. There is a whole 
bunch of Little League baseball teams there. When I checked in, I said, oh, God, help me to have a sweet and loving and kind spirit because this is going to be fun. And uh, I asked the man at the desk, I said, is there a, is there a chance that, because uh, I went up to my room and all around my room, all the rooms were decorated with baseball paraphernalia and all that, everything. I said, uh, is there a way that I might could get away from the baseball team? He said, no, sir, because they booked the whole motel. I said, well, good. I said, all right. So I went to my room, and they, they were good last night. I, it didn't bother me at all. But this morning, I was troubled. As I come out to go to church, and I was going for breakfast this morning, all getting on and off the elevators. There were dads who were getting on with their children, and, uh, and people were saying happy Father's Day to them. And the uh, and, uh, ladies that worked there in the motel were saying happy Father's Day to everyone this morning. And I watched as that group that were gathered out there as I was leaving to come to church this morning. That group had gathered, massive group down there, gathered up together, all dressed in their baseball stuff, all dressed casually and like you would be if you're going out on a holiday or a picnic or something. And all those people were taking those kids and going out to play ball instead of go to the house of God. I thought, how sad. I stopped for a moment and said, Lord, thank you that I had a dad that took me to church. I had a dad that took me to church and he believed in it enough to come and yank me off a ball field one time when I tried to show him I was going to practice instead of go to church. I'm glad that I had someone to teach me that Jesus loved me. And I thought about those poor children. I thought about them. I said, who will ever tell them about Christ? Will they ever have the opportunity? And these men are, are thinking they're good dads and trying to be good dads, but oh, without Christ, there's no hope. How sad. That's a sad thing, I think. But I'm glad I can tell you this morning, your story don't have to be sad. Because you're here this morning. And you can be transformed this morning. Number six, logically speaking, he must satisfy the sinner then. In John chapter 4, he said, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. Jesus is seeking you to save you and satisfy you. I'm satisfied with Jesus. Are you? He wants to satisfy you this morning. This world cannot satisfy you. It never will. He wants to satisfy you. Do you know that uh, you hear all the bad stories about church, all the bad stories about preachers, all the bad stories about hypocrites, but you know what? I have never met a child of God who knew they were saved, their sins had been forgiven, who would stand and say, I sure am sorry I got saved. I'm so mad at that preacher. I'm mad at my mama. I'm mad at my daddy. I'm mad about them just telling me about Jesus, about Jesus, about Jesus. No, you'll never hear anyone like that. I sure am glad somebody told me about him. He wants to save you, but he wants to satisfy you. You try everything in the world, and your soul's still not satisfied. You go to church after church. I just can't find a church I feel comfortable in. Well, can I tell you something? The one you feel comfortable in is the wrong one. If you're a sinner, you need to feel uncomfortable because God is speaking to you. God is trying to bring you into the family of God. He satisfies you. This world cannot satisfy you. There's some who live life, go around all the time with a big cup of bitterness. Christians do this too. 
disappointment comes to our life and we don't deal with it in the right way. And that disappointment becomes bitterness. And we fill up a cup of bitterness and we walk around everywhere and, and we have that thing full to the brim most of the time. And we try to walk without spilling it, but we spill it all the time. We slosh it on people. Our family's affected by it. Our children's affected by it. Friends are affected by it. And you're affected by your cup of bitterness. And that bitterness is never going to satisfy you. All the anger you have toward someone, all the anger you have toward the church, all the anger you have toward individuals, it's never going to satisfy you. It's never going to be fulfilled. It's, it's, it's satisfaction in your life. You must put it down and come to Christ and let him do something about your bitterness. Jesus is the answer to bitterness. This is a bitter, hard world we live in. Your hatred, he wants to take it away. He wants to give you a drink of water so you never thirst again. This morning, I'm just trying to tell you, this is what Jesus feels about sinners. And what he wants to do for sinners. This morning as I thought to preach. This is the first sermon I've preached in two weeks. And uh, I was trying to think about what to preach. And what be appropriate. And what people expect and all this stuff. And I, I just, uh, you know, there's never a, a sermon better. And Jesus loves sinners. All of us can identify with that. Now let me ask you this. You say, I can identify a preacher and I know it. But let me ask you, how about your loved one? How about your father? It's a good day to think about your father. Sometimes there's hard feelings toward dads. There's bitterness. Is your dad saved or unsaved? If he's unsaved, oh, it ought to bring you to your knees. No one would want their father to die and go to hell. Uh, if you have another loved one you're not sure about, you're the one that can reach him. You're the one maybe in the family that's saved and professes to be a Christian and you may hope they'll run into a preacher sometime and you may be running all the time to the pastor saying, I want you to pray for my loved one or, or I'm going to try to get them to church and I hope they'll be saved. But you know what? You're already in the, in the home. You ought to say something. You say, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. How can you say the wrong thing if you say Jesus loves me? I was lost and undone and he saved me. He changed me. You can't say the wrong thing when you talk about Jesus and sinners. Be ashamed today for someone in here to leave and go to hell. I want to beg you this morning, if you're not saved, to come let us help you this morning. If you are saved this morning, don't you think it's time that we felt the same way Christ does about sinners? Oh, they irritate us sometimes, don't they? They agitate us sometimes. We want to tell them off sometimes, but that's not what they need. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Somebody you know is unsaved, and they're going to hell unless you do something. Get a burden. Pray. Get the courage to witness. Do whatever you got to do. Get them to come with you to someone who will tell them about Christ. Because, logically speaking... He will judge the sinner. Revelation 20. He will judge the sinner. So this is Jesus and sinners I've talked to you about this morning. We can say it's the whole ministry of Christ and sinners. It's the whole purpose of his coming this morning. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I'm glad that I'm a child of God. I wish everyone was. But I ask you this morning, if I could come to each one individually and speak to you, 
and say, could you tell me when you trusted Christ? Could you tell me when he came into your life and made a difference? What would your answer be? What if someone we're going to randomly pick someone to give a testimony of salvation? Would you sit there in fear? Why, well, we ought to be wanting to jump up and say, I'm glad to tell you I'm saved. I'm glad to let you know I'm going to heaven. This morning, don't leave here if you can't say that. Let God work in your heart this morning. Let's have our heads bowed this morning.